Welcome back to the Jessica Hazeman podcast. I am gonna warn you guys, I didn't prepare for this episode. Um, I was supposed to have a guest on the podcast today and that did not happen. So I'm jumping forward a week and we are going to be talking about baby sleep. So I just posted a video on social media talking about how Adeline um, can now at seven months old put herself down to sleep on her own I would say 80% of the time. It's not a perfect track record, guys. But we did a no-cry approach. Um, And I know that I have a ton of questions about that. So I put up a question box. I've got a ton of submissions. I'm I'm looking at it on my phone right now. So I'm going to go through and answer some of those questions for you guys. Um, And hopefully it just helps if you guys are confused or you just kind of want to hear someone else's approach or... Uh, you're just interested. Maybe you don't have kids and you're interested in like what this no cry approach is and what we did. But without further ado, I'm just going to start going. Um, The first question is any tips for breaking out of a co-sleeping habit currently seven months in? Um, I think that this is a good question to kind of back up um, to tell a little bit more about our story and some advice that I have for new moms, um, especially if you have a newborn or you're going to have a newborn. Research co-sleeping. That's my first tip here um, at the Jessica Hazeman podcast. Research co-sleeping because whether you think you're going to do it or not, um, you need to know how to safely co-sleep because when you're exhausted in the middle of the night, you might be very, very against co-sleeping. And when it's the only thing that calms your baby down, you might think otherwise. I'm not saying you will. There's people who have never co-sleeped with their babies. That's absolutely fine. Um, And I'm not promoting either way. I'm just saying I think everyone should know how to safely co-sleep with their baby Um, just in case, just in case. Um, So with that being said, my um, daughter does co-sleep with us quite a bit. At first, we were very adamant about having her in the bassinet next to our bed, um, which worked really well for about three to four months. And then she started to really um, wake a lot more at night, you know, that three-month sleep regression, and she started to come into bed a lot more with us. And that's actually when I started doing the no-cry approach because I was like, she can't be sleeping in bed with us. She can't be waking up this much at night. We need to figure out something, and we need to teach her how to sleep independently. Now, that being said, we have known this whole time the goal of having a baby right is eventually they're able to sleep by themselves. So I knew when she was a newborn, I would lay her down in her bassinet. I would try to have her fall asleep while laying down. And I I did those things because I wanted her to be comfortable in her bassinet. And she was, but she still had this regression where she was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to sleep in my crib. So what we did was the no cry approach. And what I um, focused on was trying to make it as smooth as possible. So going from completely co-sleeping, where um, this question came from, someone is completely co-sleeping, that baby's used to being next to you in your warmth, in your bed, um, and kind of starting to transition to being in the crib. And what that's going to look like is probably having to rock them to sleep fully. So they're totally asleep and then laying them out, laying them down in their crib. And unfortunately, this might mean that they're going to wake up and you're going to have to redo that process over and over again so that they get that nap in. Um, and then eventually you'll be able to transfer them to the crib and they'll be comfortable with that. It's a slow process, very slow process. Now, 
once you um, get to that point where you can rock them fully to sleep and then lay them down, that's when you're going to want to back off just a little bit. So rock them until they just fall asleep and then lay them down in the crib and see if they'll fall asleep that last little bit. Or if they wake up, they'll go back to sleep. Once they can successfully do that, then you're going to back off even more. And maybe you just rock them till they're very calm and then you lay them down and you pat their butt until they fall asleep. So that is exactly how we did this no cry approach. So I was there helping her fall asleep, helping initiate that sleep while she was laying in her crib without um, ever leaving the room and letting her scream and cry because I just couldn't handle it. And also she would just lay there for hours. Like literally I tried it once and she was awake for an hour just playing in her crib and like moving around and kind of fussing, but not really crying, but not even close to going to sleep. And I was like, ah, so that's why that's one of the other reasons that we did no cry. So that was a long answer to the first question. Um, somebody asked about our sleep sack. We have the kite baby sleep sack. I really like it. Um, it's a good thickness. We have the one tog, which is, um, good for the summer for us. Um, according to what we keep our house at. Um, and you can find that under baby sleep in my Amazon storefront. Um, do, 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 do. When did I start? Um, I kind of already answered that. We started initiating sleep as soon as she was born. She was actually a really great sleeper up until three months. She slept six, seven hour stretches at night, um, would sleep in the bassinet. She didn't really have to sleep in our in our bed at all. And then all of a sudden that um, sleep regression hit around three and a half, four months. And that's when we started being like, okay, we need to focus on, you know, making changes, um, getting her to sleep in her own crib, in her own room, having her own space, falling asleep on her own. Um, and it's been about from like three and a half, four months, we started with it and now she's seven months today. So that it's been a long process. <laughs> um, helpful tips for surviving the four month sleep regression. Oh my God. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, you're up all the time. You're nursing all the time. Um, they're totally, you think you got sleep under control and then they totally switch and change. Um, that being said, I would say something that helped with my, with our approach was my husband would stay up until like midnight, one or 2 AM, um, and kind of have that first chunk while I went to sleep earlier. And then I would just kind of have to take the second chunk and be a little sleepy. Um, it, it, it just, it stinks. Um, I would say do things that will really calm you down. You're going to be overall a lot more stressed because you're not going to be sleeping well. You're going to be worried that your baby is not sleeping. So do things that are going to help you relieve stress. Um, I would have to very often um, in those times where she's waking up all the time and not going back to sleep, I would have to lay her down in the crib, walk away, take a few deep breaths and remind myself, I love her to death. She needs me. She needs me to fall asleep. She needs me to needs to know that I'm there for her. And she's not doing this to, you know, upset me. Just last night, this girl was up for two and a half hours in the middle of the night. Never happened before. And I had to set her down, walk away and just just walking away for a second reminded me like, okay, this is my tiny little baby child that desperately wants her mom. That's why she's crying. It's not because, you know, X, Y, and Z. She just desperately needs me. And reminding myself of that usually helps kind of bring me back down and stay calm because you want to scream, you want to yell, you want to cry in the middle of the night. And that's usually what helps me. 
Uh, baby monitor. We have the baby optics. It's an incredible monitor. Um, what I love most about it is that it gets rid of um, the static white noise that we have playing in the room with Adeline. Um, that's also on my Amazon storefront. You can find it under baby general. Um, okay. A lot of questions about when to start, um, what the process of looking, what it looks like um, putting in her in the crib. So I'm really going to walk through the process here. Um, her current, what it currently looks like is we um, see she wakes up. I'm going to start from that. She wakes up. She eats. Um, we go throughout her wake time. Right now, we just switched from three naps to two naps. Um, she wasn't sleeping well at night, so we kind of made some modifications. And so she's up for about two and a half, three hours um, for her wake time. But we really pay attention more to her sleepy cue. So whenever she starts yawning, I'm kind of getting fussy for no reason, um, rubbing her eyes, anything like that where we can identify a sleep cue. We put her down for a nap. We don't really stretch it too much unless it's like a very uh, wrong time to put her down, like we're out and about or something. Um, but we'll typically put her down for her nap when we see those sleepy cues. Um, when they're older, so now she's six, seven months, we do try to stretch it just a little bit, not so that she's super fussy, but that she's really tired um, so that when we lay her down, she is exhausted and wants to sleep. Um, during her wake time, we do things like tons of tummy time. We get outside all the time. We get outside first thing in the morning. We get outside before bed so that she's just outside seeing the sunlight, um, seeing the sun setting. All of that will help that sleep. Um, which is important. Um, so yeah, we have that wake time. We totally ener- use up all of our energy. And then I change her diaper. Um, I shut the lights off. I close the blinds so that it's dark in the bedroom. I turn on her sound machine. Um, and then I lay her down in the crib. Or Usually I'll offer food. Sometimes she'll eat. Sometimes she won't. Um, then I lay her down in the crib and I give her a pacifier. And something that's really um, been helpful is giving her some type of teething toy as well because she'll kind of play with it a little bit until she gets tired enough to fall asleep. So we've got like a couple different teether toys that are big, definitely not choking hazards. Um, and then we also keep an eye on her while she's, you know, using it and while she's in the crib until she falls asleep. And then you can go in and remove it if you um, prefer. But that's been a really big helpful thing for us too. So yeah, we put her in her sleep sack, lay her down, give her a pacifier and a teething toy, let her play for a little bit. And on while she's in her crib, I'm watching her on the monitor outside of the room. Now, this is what the end goal looks like, right? So sometimes she'll get super fussy um, and she'll start to like whine and moan. And I wait. As soon as she starts crying, I go right back in there. Um, Or even if she just gets too whiny and fussy and I feel like she's working herself up, I go back in there. And all it usually takes is giving her a pacifier and then she'll settle down and go to sleep. Sometimes it's not that at all. Sometimes I have to pick her up. I have to feed her again. Sometimes I have to pat her butt and rub her back. Um... And there's a lot of things that you can do to help them get to sleep. The process of going from full, uh, you know, co-sleeping or full having to rock them to sleep to then being able to independently fall asleep is that really slow backing off. So it's not like one day you're rocking them to sleep and the next day you lay them down in the crib and you walk away. That would be more the cry it out method, the Ferber method, which is not what I chose to do. So I totally slowly backed off. It took three months of like, you know, 
removing myself from the sleep routine so that she could do it on her own. And three months later, she can successfully do it probably 80% of the time. But some of the time, she still really requires a lot of help from me. So it's not a like babies are not perfect and there's going to be days that they're teething or they've got an upset stomach and they're going to need you still. So don't I don't like 100% expect perfection from her. Pacifier. Um, a lot of people ask about how we gave her the pacifier about two months old, I think, or maybe like a month and a half. We offered her the pacifier and she took it really easily and really well. So that was really helpful for us. Um, we started putting her in the crib around six months because she was waking up a lot at night. And I read that it was helpful to have the baby in the crib in a different room because they weren't, um, wanting to be so close to you because they were kind of farther removed. It didn't work for us. (laughs) She was still waking up a lot. Um, and actually when I moved her to the crib out of the bassinet, that resulted in more co-sleeping for me because I would just go get her and then bring her to bed to feed and not want to walk and put her back. So um, that it kind of backfired on me because then we were co-sleeping more and we had to kind of like separate from co-sleeping, which is harder than to separate from the bassinet. So uh, see, I, I hope what you're feeling like while you're listening to this is like, I don't have every answer to everything. Um, all I want to reassure you guys of is that you don't have to do cry it out. You can do the method that feels right for you, your baby, you know your baby, you know your baby, right? Okay. Um, do, 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 do. How long did the process take? About three and a half months. Um, how to put the baby down without waking them up. Funny enough, I just had a conversation yesterday in my um, messages. I'm 5'8", five, 5'9", five, so I can easily lay Adeline down in the crib, um, kind of bend over and put her right into the crib easily. Um, and usually that doesn't wake them up. What I do is I focus on putting her down on her side and then like putting her head down last so she thinks that she's still in my arms. And then I usually will even keep my arm right in front of her so she can smell me when she's like kind of getting fussy. Um, and then I kind of like slowly back off. If you're shorter... I don't even know how you do it. You are, I feel like you're going to have to teach that independent sleep a little bit earlier because you can't be sneaky. Like you can't reach the bottom of the crib. And that is not an attack on short people. But it's funny. Like a lot of people were like, there's no way I could do that. So you'll definitely have to like work with what you got, I guess. <laughs> um, night wakes, when to feed and when to not. Um, this is a really great question and something that you're going to want to make sure that you're um, talking to your pediatrician about because I'm definitely not here to say how many times a night you should be feeding. Um, Adeline, I typically, what I would do is if I put her down to bed at 8 p.m. and she woke up at 9 p.m. and was fussy, I just fed her at 8 o'clock and she ate really well. So I know that she's not necessarily hungry. But I just listen to her. So if I go back in there and I'm patting her butt, it doesn't work. If I rock her for a little bit and she's still fussy, I know that she's hungry. So then I offer to feed. What I didn't, what I was doing before was I would just feed her right off the bat. Like I'd wake up in the middle of the night, immediately feed her, immediately feed her, immediately feed her because she was soothed and usually would fall asleep while eating. And it was kind of like the easiest approach, but her body was not learning to like go longer periods without eating because she would just wake up and eat all the time. So now I would try to get her back to sleep by soothing her other ways just to make sure that her body could get used to going longer stretches at night without eating. 
Um, That being said, we really focus on feeding her throughout the day. So making sure I'm offering food enough um, and making sure that she's getting good quality feedings during the day so that she can sleep better at night. But as always, like if your pediatrician says otherwise or that they need to be eating at night, make sure you're listening to their advice. Um, Where to begin? Um, I highly recommend if you're overwhelmed by sleep, to take a course. Um, there are a ton of courses out there. I took um, Chrissy at the Peaceful Sleepers course. I do have a link. I can put that in the um, description of this podcast episode. But really, it's just finding one that you believe their tactics, right? Like you you like the approach that they take and sticking to it. Because these people do have a wonderful... Um, wonderful support through the whole thing. And then if you stick to one method, it most likely is going to work depending on how, you know, on your baby. But um, these sleep accounts are much better resources than I am. I only have the one experience with my beautiful little girl, but they've got, you know, experience on experience on experience. So I definitely recommend taking a course or following some sleep accounts like the Peaceful Sleeper or Co-Sleepy is a great co-sleeping account. Um, And starting your research there, starting to figure it out and not freaking out too much. If you're like pregnant and you're about to have a baby, don't worry too much. Um, Definitely start learning about some things you can do to like right off the bat, initiate that independent sleep. Obviously, your newborn needs you to sleep. So do not start too early. But just knowing how to do it might help you kind of navigate through it. And who knows, you might have a great sleeper. So like, don't worry too much about things that you can't, you know, know off the bat. Um, co-sleeping, breaking the habit. I want to say like, if you want to break the habit of co-sleeping, go for it. Like that's what we did. We decided to move her into the crib and take this approach. Um, and that's the exact approach that we did to break co-sleeping. However, she still climbs into bed. No, she doesn't. I still put her in bed. She can't climb anywhere. Um, <laughs> I still put her into bed with us, like maybe every other night. You Sometimes she makes it till 6 a.m. and she just kind of comes with us in the morning. Sometimes it's midnight. She comes into the bed with us. It just depends on like how rested I am and how rested she is and what's going on. Um, so it, it's really about doing what you, you think is best. Um... How do you start not picking up the baby and not nursing to sleep initially? Okay, so like I said, um, we, I realized that like I was just automatically nursing her back to sleep and that's what I was trying to prevent. So what I would do is um, if you are that the type of mom that's like, okay, my baby woke up, I'm going to nurse her right away, right? If you're that person, I would say try rocking them back to sleep, um, rocking and singing and bouncing them back to sleep. And then if you can do that, if they aren't, if they're still really fussy, they're probably hungry and that's when I would feed them. But if they do go back to sleep with you rocking them, okay, great. So then the next time, do a little bit less. Don't sing, just rock or don't or just bounce up and down slightly. And then if you can do that, that's when you'll just pat their butt a little bit, just rub their back a little bit while holding them to help them fall back asleep. And then once you can do that, that's when you can kind of transition to them staying in the crib and maybe um, maybe you pick them up to calm them down and then you lay them back down and you rub their back till they fall asleep. And eventually, like I, it's a very slow process, guys, but eventually you'll be able to lay baby down 
rub their back and they'll be able to go back to sleep with just that. So it's a really slow process, but the same thing. It's just backing off slowly because if you back off too quickly, baby gets confused, baby gets scared. Um, baby's going to cry. I don't necessarily think that maybe they won't be scared. That might be a bad word to use, but they will cry if too much change has happened. So if you're just going to be like, okay, I'm no longer feeding you in the middle of the night, bye-bye. And like, you just kind of um, try to switch it too fast. It's going to get, baby's going to get confused. So just that slow, slow process. Um, do-do-do-do-do. Yes, um, wake windows do gradually increase. You can Google this. Um, Google your baby wake window, the age. Um, it'll give you a breakdown. It's like starts for 45 minutes for newborns. They usually are not awake longer than that. And then it, it'll up. The wake window gets longer and longer as they get bigger. Um, this is super easy. It's just a guesstimate though, right? They're not out there saying like, this is exactly how long your baby's supposed to be awake. Adeline was always at the um, bottom of the wake window. So she, it would be like 45 minutes, a newborn supposed to be awake. She'd be awake for like 20 minutes. And then she'd take another nap when she was a newborn. And we were fine with that. She was healthy. She was pooping. She was peeing. She was great. She was eating. So we, you don't want to, um, put everything onto these wake windows, but it's good to kind of know approximately how much they're supposed to be awake. But what's most important is, understanding your baby's sleepy cues. So start paying attention to them when they're yawning, when they're starting to get fussy, when they're rubbing their eyes, when they're like just staring off into space, not paying attention. Those are signs that they're getting sleepy. Um, yawning is actually one of the last signs. Crying is one of the last signs. So try to get, try to focus and like pay attention to them to be able to identify when they're starting to get sleepy so you can get them to sleep before that. Unless of course you're trying to stretch wake times and then you'll be like, okay, she's yawning. Let's see how much further we can push before we put her to bed. Um, Oh, this is a great question. Um, a couple of other things that we've done is um, we swaddled Adeline as a newborn. We actually swaddled her till about six months old, which is not um, recommended. Uh, once a baby is able to roll over, you're supposed to unswaddle them um, and no longer have their arms contained. However, it just didn't work for us. Um, I tried everything. I tried all of the sleep suits. I tried one arm in, one arm out. If I did not have her swaddled, it was she just didn't sleep. She wouldn't sleep for days. Like she slept terribly and it was just awful. So we ended up continuing to swaddle her until six months old. Um, and she never rolled over. We always kept a close eye on her. Um, I was usually able to, I would swaddle her during naps. And then at night, um, when she would wake up that first time, I'd be able to unswaddle her because she was so sleepy, she'd fall back asleep. So I was able to unswaddle her at night, which was helpful. But we did end up swaddling her well past the recommended time. And eventually one day she was just like, nope, I don't want it and cried when I swaddled her and I didn't swaddle her. She took a nap and it was like, she was like, okay, I'm done with this. But for a very long time, I tried a lot of different options to try to do it and it didn't work for us. Um, so I'm not saying you should do that, but trust your mom gut, um, do your research and make your own decisions. But um, sometimes, you know, sometimes your baby is, your baby's going to be your baby and you got to figure out what's best for your baby. Um how do we lengthen naps? Um, something we are still working on because when we get rid of a nap, right, we have to lengthen the next nap to make sure that they're getting enough sleep throughout the day. Um, 
Addie usually sleeps for about 30 to 45 minutes on her own, and that's when she'll wake up. And sometimes she's done. She's like, absolutely not. I'm not going back to sleep. Sometimes I'm able to go back in there. I keep the room really dark, keep the sound machine on. I don't really make eye contact or talk to her at all. I just pick her up and I rock her back to sleep or bounce her back to sleep. And then I usually do a contact nap. And sometimes I'll contact nap for another 45 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half. Um, Sometimes she'll take a two-hour nap doing this. So you can really stretch their naps by doing that contact nap after they take their like a little initial nap. Um, And then over time, that initial nap will start to get longer and longer um, because they're used to sleeping that long. So they won't wake up just after 45 minutes. Also, after they learn how to initiate sleep, um, once you are able to get them back to sleep, they'll wake up after that 45 minute cycle of sleep and they'll be able to put themselves back to sleep um, and stay asleep longer. So another good reason why you want to teach those independent sleep skills so that they can nap longer as well. Um, how did you break the feed to sleep habit? Um, yeah, sometimes she still falls asleep eating. She, when she was a newborn, she fell asleep eating all of the time. Um, and I remember my pediatrician being like, or the lactation consultant saying like, you shouldn't do this. And I was like, well, this is just what feels right. Sorry. Um, and we did it and it was fine. Um, she would, she didn't have any like, um, she didn't throw up or spit up a lot. So I wasn't worried about that, but she nursed to sleep for a good chunk of time. Again, that's that mom gut guys. Um, yeah, (laughs) I'm, I think I'm like not even halfway through these questions and this is getting pretty lengthy. So if you enjoyed this episode so far, um, let me know, shoot me a message on Instagram, leave a comment rating review here, or just contact me and let me know. Um, and if you guys enjoyed it, I'll continue answering these questions and more as we, um, continue through learning about baby sleep, right? Like I'm right there with you. I'm a first time mom. I'm figuring this all out. I'm usually asking questions to you guys in the community. And you know, those OG moms are getting back to me, like telling me what's what, what's what. Um, but also like taking the course was really helpful and I'm just experiencing it. Looking back in the rear view mirror, it's a lot easier to, uh, see what I did wrong, see what I did right, see the progress I made because, I promise you while I was these past three months, I cried myself to sleep. I cried so much thinking I was ruining her by not doing cry it out, by not doing the Ferber method because I was like, I have to, like she needs to learn independent sleep and she can't because I'm not doing it. And if I would just do it, it just takes two days. Everybody says it's so fast and I must be doing something wrong. And I was like constantly doubting myself. But in my heart, I was like, I just don't want to let her cry. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to do that. I don't feel like that's the right choice for us. And I kind of persevered. Um, it, it was really hard to do. And that's why I am sharing the stuff about sleep training and doing independent sleep training and no cry because I really want anyone who's out there being like, oh, I just really don't want to do cry it out to, to remind you, you don't have to, you do not have to do it. You can do it a different approach. It's just a lot slower, a lot longer. And uh, probably a lot harder because you're going to have a bunch of voices in your head and a bunch of people telling you you're doing everything wrong. But isn't that just being a mom, isn't it? Ugh. Um, Awesome. Well, hopefully you guys have a wonderful week. Um, Let me know how you like the episode and I will see you next week at the, on the, on the Jessica Heisman podcast. Bye-bye.